Gosnell's Live at Five podcast. I'm Tom, and I'm the founder here at Gosnell's. I'm Will, I'm the head brewer here at Gosnell's. I'm James, and I make the meat. This is our informal podcast, which we're spinning out from our Instagram live sessions. We do these every Friday live at five, and we'll be talking about honey, fermentation, and of course, what we're here for, the mead. We'll also be joined from time to time by some very special guests to talk about booze more generally. If you haven't already, guys, hit that subscribe button to our podcast, whatever medium you're on. Uh, Leave us a review. Follow us on our social media platforms, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, at Gosnell's Mead. Perfect. Should we get into it? Let's do it. Let's do it. Welcome to another Friday at five. We're joined here with Tom from Campine. Thanks for coming. Hello. How are you? Very good. How are you guys doing? Yeah, all right. It's been one of those weeks. Yes. Uh, as always. Yeah. Like we always say the same thing on a Friday. Yeah, it's because every week's uh, about the same, isn't it? Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> Welcome, everyone. Yeah, thanks a lot for joining. Um, so, yeah, we're going to be talking about all things sake this afternoon. Yeah. Following on from our collab, which, when did that launch? Last, no, September? No, yeah, a couple of months ago. Yeah, a couple of months ago. Yeah. Yeah. Which yeah. was uh, this one here, which we'll get to a little later on because I haven't tasted it since then. I had quite a big... I think we did an Instagram yep. live and had a bit of a chat about the collab. And then afterwards, uh, I drank quite a lot of sake and woke up with a sore head. So It's always good, isn't it? Yeah. How much in the other stuff you were drinking afterwards? Yeah, no, yeah, yeah, of course. It wasn't the copious amounts, right? Um, cool. Um, today we've got four sakes to go through yep. and a collab. And I think we'll start off with a beer. Yeah, I mean, we don't have a beer. We, we had a beer. We had a beer. Don't know where that's gone. What have you been up to this week then, Well, So this week, God, what's been happening this week? Um, we brewed the vintage today. Oh, that's, that's, that's part of this week. So we got the honey in on Monday, so we did some tasting of the honey. Um, that's really cool. It's, it's, it's the best time of the year for us, right? Yeah. Um, and then, God, we've just been having fun with... Social and, and yeah, and Photoshop and Illustrator yeah. and doing new labels for the small batch program, which we're getting ready. Oh, we've got the canning, then canning canning. Oh, yeah, the yeah, small the, the small batch as well finally yeah. finished this week, which is good. So um, this is our crowdfund stuff, yeah, yeah, of course, which is yeah. cool. Um, is that closed now? That's closed, yeah, it closed awesome. on Thursday. Yeah, we did yeah. it, which is good. Great. Um, so we've got Can't about go. 40 people signed up to get cans each month, which is really Perfect. exciting. Um, so and it gives us an idea, yeah, we can, yeah, expand that a bit. In the future. Uh, How about you, Tom? What have you been doing this week? What have I been doing? I've been doing a lot of admin. It's been a life admin, well, life admin, work, <laughs> ad, work admin week. And what else have I done? I haven't cooked anything this week. I haven't actually been in the kitchen all week. No, I've cooked this week. I cooked some potato and leek soup. Oh. Um, Was it chunky or did you blend no, it? No, I blended it, but I overdid the potato, so it kind of came out like mashed potatoes with leek in it. <laughs> uh, my girlfriend was very happy. Um, but, uh, Sounds hearty for the weather. Yeah, yeah. I, I thought so. She did not. Um, <laughs> that's, that's the beauty of having a partner. You get both sides of every story. Of course. Of How course. about you, Tom? Have you, you been in the kitchen this week? Every day, yeah. That's kind of my, you know, the end of the evening when I get home. That's kind of my relaxation. Yeah. Wind down. Yeah. Done some interesting stuff this week. Did on Sunday some proper, like, Jacob's Ladder ribs. Oh, slow oh, cook. Nice, yeah like seven hours slow cook. Yeah. Um, yeah, and we actually like marinated them in koji. So our, the mold spore, which we'll talk about in a bit, kind of tenderizes the meat, brings out the natural umami from the meat. Yeah, I was going to say, yeah. does it have a bit of a miso-y type flavor when you taste it, or is it a little uh, different? It's, it's kind of the miso element without the salt. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. think about that. Yeah, it's kind of, yeah, it's kind of additional kind of meaty, mushroomy, just kind of nice, umami yeah it's like a great for meat and vegetables like a natural seasoning kind of brings out enhances the natural flavor rather than imparting yeah yeah Yeah. oh that's cool yeah Yeah, i don't really cook a koji that much but uh yeah always start trying it's like a fun thing to do and yeah we like launch this uh fermented from sake food range that's on our website oh nice so we do like a couple of the byproducts from sake so the kasu which is the pressed rice um we do aged mirin, so yeah, cooking sake yeah. basically, like sweeter cooking sake, and um, barrel aged sake vinegar. Um, yeah, that's awesome. That's cool. And then the koji rice as well. Yeah. 
We need some mead vinegar. There's some mead vinegar in the office There's right some now, isn't it? Vinegar in the office. That is good stuff. I only, I only just learned that uh, if the, the vinegar's ready when the mother actually falls to the bottom, mm. is that is that right? Yeah, I mean, you should have like mother in circulation at the bottom, and then um, ideally like a yeast film on top. That's kind of what you're looking for. Yeah. Sick. Yeah. It's like we pulled out a bottle of our. Uh, we did a homebrew uh, uh, episode last week, and uh, pulled some out of this wild. Uh, like this wild pitch yeast that I did, pulled it out and left a little bit of headspace, and I just got the nicest pellicle. Yeah. Like it just, it just went straight. As soon as it got some oxygen in there, I was like, that's sick. I love that. <laughs> that's pretty cool. All right, where, where should we start? Because we didn't start with a beer, so I'm kind of getting a bit thirsty. So straight in for the cans? Yeah, yeah let's, let's, do, let's do it. Cool. It's five minutes past five and I haven't had a drink on a Friday. Yeah. yeah. So guys, if you've got any questions as we go through, you just type it in the comment section below and we'll endeavour to answer them. Sometimes. Awesome. We normally yeah, answer them. Yeah, usually pretty right. good. It's all right. I mean, we can yeah, crack this. We can obviously talk about this. We can talk a bit more about, I guess, how sack is made. Yeah, that'd be awesome. Yeah. yeah, let's do it. So this is kind of a relatively new product for us. We call this a session sake. So typically sake is kind of strong wine territory around 15, 16%. This is 5.5 um, and is infused with uh, Japanese yuzu fruit. So indigenous citrus fruit in Japan, somewhere between like uh, lime and a mandarin kind of territory. Cool. Uh, it's that combined with uh, British cucumbers. Oh, um, nice. So kind of a nice palate refresher, nice. Uh, so did you brew it five and a half or did you? sort of cut it down with some adjuncts? Yeah, so this is, um, it's a pure sake, but it's um, brewed at lower alcohol. But then when we do the infusion, there's a little bit of water oh, yeah. added. Okay. So, but it's mainly, the, it's not, not like you're cutting down at 12 No, no, sake. exactly, yeah. So it's a much kind of like lower ABV product to start with. Let's get into it. Yeah, let's get into it. <laughs> oh yeah, cool. It's a nice little bit of fizz, bit of a spritz. That cucumber oh, is like, nose, yeah, yeah, straight away. Cucumber, such like, how do you go working with cucumber as well? Like, I know cucumber sometimes can be a real pain in the ass. Well, I mean, I personally hand juice them all, so <laughs> yeah. that, that, was, that was good fun. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's it's an it's an awesome kind of botanical, really, cucumber. I mean, the aroma you get off yeah. it. Yeah. Um, a lot of people, I I think, you know, if you're just cooking with cucumber or having it in a salad, you think you kind of think, oh, it doesn't have much flavour, but actually, there's so much going yeah. on, especially if you kind of you know, take a cucumber at home and kind of peel, peel that, the aroma that comes off it. So actually, I think you've got to be really balanced with it because cucumber can be quite overpowering. Mm-hmm. Um, so do you use the, the skin of the cucumber as well? or Yeah, these are whole... Bit of everything? Yeah, everything. Um, I'd say, yeah, majority of the flavour is actually coming from um, the skin. That's really nice. Yeah. Just a little bit of sake in there. Like, you can tell it's sake. Yeah. The idea is just to have something really clean, real nice kind of sake base. And mm. then it's these nice aromatics to kind of enhance that. Um, got a nice kind of body on it still, nice bit of carbonation. Yeah, and it's like a ready-to-drink format. Just take yeah. that to the party. I, I uh, just have a little bit more. I kind of, of course. smashed mine already. Of course, <laughs> you are. <laughs> Good man. But yeah, so uh, yeah, let, let's, let's talk a little bit about just sake in general. Like, what is sake really? Yeah, so for any, you know, I'll kind of go back to basics for anyone that doesn't know. So sake is um, a fermented alcohol from rice. So rice is your, is your base. Um, a lot of people refer to sake as a rice wine. Um, it's not kind of really an ac- accurate description. Obviously, wine should be coming from fruit. There's no fruit within the sake. And the fermentation is actually much closer to a beer. So we kind of view the production much more in line with beer, but then the outcome kind of sits somewhere, maybe more around wine territory for drinking. We kind of treat it much more, I think, like a wine um, for sipping, etc. It's definitely not a spirit. So sake is not distilled. However, a lot of sake that's out there has been cut with a distilled spirit. Mm-hmm. It doesn't mean it's any stronger. It's been kind of diluted down and bolstered back yeah, up. Yeah, we find the same thing with mead as yeah, well yeah, in yeah, certain areas as well. Yeah, especially yeah. in like that sort of airport style mead, right? Yeah, you know, yeah, that, that sort of mass produced and, and gives, a, gives the rest of the category a bit of a bad name. Yes, <laughs> yes. Um, and, you know, especially the addition of um, maybe a lot of distilled alcohol to fortify a sake. That's kind of really a bit of a hangover from the Second World War. So in Japan, like rice production 
was used, so obviously like rice was kind of rationed. Mm -hmm. So rice production was used for food over sake production. So a lot of the big producers kind of worked out new kind of modern methods of brewing the same amount of sake, but with less rice. So that's kind of where that's come from. That's interesting. So everything we brew at Kampai is uh, known as Junmai sake. Junmai means pure rice. So there's no kind of yeah, added alcohol. And you know, across our range, we're going to taste a few different things today. But the vast majority of the sake that we make only comes from four ingredients. So the rice, the water, the yeast for fermentation, um, but then the koji, which we touched on before. If you take kind of a rice grain, we don't have um, any immediate access to sugar. So we have complex carbohydrates, as well as small amount of protein, small amount of lipids and fats. Um, so if we kind of just threw rice, yeast and water into a tank, nothing's gonna happen because the yeast needs access to sugar. So we need a way of breaking that, those long chain carbohydrates down into glucose for the yeast to ferment into alcohol. And that's where the koji comes in. So we take portions of our steamed rice, which we inoculate with the mold spore, the koji kin spore, mm -hmm. and we incubate that over about 72 hours. And over kind of increasing temperature, decreasing humidity, the mold grows initially around the outside of the rice. And then when the outside of the rice becomes dry to reduction of humidity, it then begins to shoot these hyphers like tunnels into the center of the grain. And at that point, we create loads of amylase enzymes. Yeah. And the amylase is the same enzyme we have in our saliva, but also is what's utilized in beer production um, in malted barley to release the sugars. So rather than malting the rice, we use a fungus to kind of aid that production. Um, and we view the koji rice as kind of the engine, uh, like the wheelhouse within the fermentation. And then we add more steamed rice as the fuel. That koji rice breaks down the steam rice, releases the sugars. The yeast then ferments that in turn into alcohol. So the interesting thing about sake is it's known as a multi-parallel fermentation. So your sugar production and your alcohol production happen simultaneously yeah, yeah, uh, okay, yeah. within the tank. So you're like fermenting your mash. That's yeah. the way to kind of think. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. Uh, I remember, I don't know how much truth to it, but I remember when I first sort of uh, heard of sake, I remember the story of like, that sort of because you used to eat rice hulls, yes, and they used to spit them into the bucket. Absolutely, yeah. And that, and that used to start the fermentation in there. Yeah. And then I don't know who drank that, but somebody, <laughs> somebody. Well, 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 I think a lot of people for thousands of years drank yeah, that. Yeah, because yeah. um, you did the same with corn maize as yeah, well, yeah, right? Yeah, that's what I was going to say. It's like a South American, like yeah, really which still goes on yeah. now in the Amazon, and yeah, yeah, absolutely. So yeah, prior to kind of, I guess, cultured koji, since that was kind of captured and then cultivated. Prior to that, it was done, yeah, with you know, the village kind of so talking about the South American one, like there, there was uh, like a tea shown where like, cause it used to be uh, a, a job within the, you know, one, one group of people would have that job within the, um, within the tribe and they would find teeth that are completely worn down from sitting there all yeah, day, just, just like chewing on, chewing on just yeah. chewing on maize and just yeah. wear your teeth down to nothing. Would be, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, things have moved on a little bit since then. So it's quite a simple, simple process then. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Not labor intensive. Easy to learn, easy to yeah, master. Yeah, yeah, that's it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. It's that's why everyone's doing it, isn't it? Absolutely. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> so where, where is sake <laughs> most popular? I, I, I assume, you know, Japan, but is there another yeah. sort of like mecca hub outside of Japan? So obviously sake as we know, like modern sake um, comes from Japan. It's got approximately like a 5,000 year history from within Japan, but also certain other kind of rice alcohol categories across Asia. Is that, that like, uh, what is it, Chinese liquor as well used to have yeah, rice and, yeah. Yeah, so there's, there's elements, I think, throughout Asia where they have rice fermentation, um, utilizing koji as well, or some other kind of um, bacterial yeast combination. Um, you have that in Korea as well. Um, but then you've got a number of distilled drinks across uh, the continent that have um, similar style initial fermentation, um, but then it's distilled. Yeah, yeah. which is like just... shochu in Japan is can be distilled from rice, but also other other grains, also sweet potato, barley. Um, but it has to utilize koji as the enzymatic reaction. Okay, cool. Okay, yeah. To produce the sugars. Because that. is that break down the starch as well as complex carbohydrates? Yeah, absolutely, yeah. absolutely, yeah. And then another Such kind of, is a complex yeah, yeah, so another kind of cool element from the koji. So we kind of, beforehand, we were kind of chatting about yeah, miso and other things. And koji, if applied to, say, barley, 
um, with like a lower temperature initial incubation of the koji, you actually make protease enzymes. So mm -hmm. you break down protein into amino acids. That's what makes umami. Mm -hmm. And that's how soy sauce is made, how miso yeah, is yeah, made. Yeah. So they're all koji-based fermentation. But to make um, flavor and seasoning and umami over making alcohol. Yeah, so there's no, no So there was, there was one other thing that I, I, what's the difference between koji kin and koji mi? Koji me? What, what am I thinking? Koji mead. Me, as in. Oh, right. Oh, koji kin. Koji mai. Okay, koji so, mai, yeah, yeah. So koji kin is like, um, is basically the spore itself before it's been implanted right. onto okay, cool. a medium. Koji mai is specifically koji rice and mai rice, like jun mai. Okay, yeah, yeah. Okay, rice, that makes sense, so yeah. Koji mai. Um, that's the rice that's already been inoculated and incubated and ready to use for fermentation, which is what we sell on our website as well. Yeah. yeah. Cool. Sick. That's cool. Well, um, let, let's keep cracking yeah, on. These, well, by the way, these get out of hand really, really easily. <laughs> yeah, so we end up getting through quite a bit of booze yeah. in 40 minutes. And then you just end up being like, oh, All good. It gets a bit looser towards the end. Yeah. So if we get, that's why we always try to get the information out at the start, yeah, right? Do the technical bit at the beginning and then we just... Yeah, the te this. technical bit, yeah. Cool, so <laughs> ne next one. Um, this is what we call a Jumai Ginjo. So pure rice, Jumai are sake. Ginjo, this is kind of one of the upper two kind of echelons of premier of sake. So basically sake is graded based on whether it's got alcohol added or no alcohol added. Everything we do is on the no alcohol Jumai kind of slant. And then beyond that, it's graded on the polishing rate of the rice. Uh, okay, yeah. So this is a Jumai Ginjo. A Jumai Ginjo has to be within 51 to 60% polishing. And what we mean by polishing, yeah, yeah. if we took a rice grain like out the field, it's got the husk and it's got the germ. We remove both of those two things and we have a whole brown rice grain. That brown rice grain is 100%. And when we start polishing the outside of it down, to basically reveal the pure starch center, we then state the percentage that's remaining on the grain. So right, okay. what does the polishing do? I remember we had this little chat a yeah. while ago, which I found so, quite interesting. So typically, a, so we, we brew with, say, sake mai. So this is brewed with a rice specifically cultivated for sake production. Um, sake mai has a pure collection of starch within the center of the grain known as a shimpaku. And you can visibly see it when you look at the grain. It's like a white, solid white heart to the rice. Right, okay. You're kind of taking, you know, regular rice off the shelf to cook with a white grain. You've typically got your starch scattered throughout the grain and um, kind of high levels of protein and fat within that as well. With a sakimai, you've got the collection of starch in the middle and then the opaque portion on the outside has got slightly elevated portions of protein and fat. All oh, right, so as you polish it, you're just getting the starch correct, in the center. Correct, correct. So the more you polish, depending on the rice grain, the more you polish, in theory, you're exponentially increasing the proportion of starch and diminishing the proportion of protein and fat. The protein, based on your protease production in the koji, will dictate how savory, how umami the sake is. Mm -hmm. If you don't have much protein or not much protein protease, you're gonna have um, more of a pure starch-based fermentation, and that's gonna give you a much more like elegant, floral, aperitif style. Hey, cool. so, the biggest price driver for a sake is the quality of the rice and then the amount it's been polished. If you're using okay. a rice that's been polished, say, to 35%, you've got to use twice the amount of yeah. rice to yeah. make the yeah. same yeah. amount of sake as you do to a Plus the process of polishing the rice. Yeah. 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 And then you're paying for the privilege of losing that portion of rice. So that's the biggest price driver. It's got no dictation on real quality of the product. It's much more style specific. Okay. Um, so you could like really love a sake that's a real nice savory style that hasn't had much polishing. You could want to go for an elegant style that's had lots of polishing. And that's just a general rule of thumb. And obviously there's everything else in between. But this is a Ginjo, Jumai Ginjo. This has been polished to 60%. Um, and this is using a rice called Yamada Nishiki. Yamada Nishiki is the king of sake rice in Japan, the real number one top rice. So what I put my nose in it, like I got no way other describing like it just smells like sake. Sake has such a like uh, a unique smell yeah. to it that as soon as yeah. we just like for me as a first, I'm like oh there it is yeah. you know like and that can go wrong as I'll have sake and put it in there and and you're suddenly like oh mm. like that what what sort of makes that sort of I don't know I've, I've attributed it to to cat food before like it just has this <laughs> like 
So, yeah. so, so what you're getting, which you know, that it's kind of a different, difficult aroma to smell, but it, um, to describe, but it, it tends to be the basis of a lot of sakes. Um, it's basically the cereal rice notes combined with a umami koji element. It's those kind of two things put together. But then on top of that, you've got your kind of real nice like fruity esters coming out of this, yeah. which is which is more down to the yeast. So you're saying that you get some uh, floral stuff from the mm. from using more starch in, and that is promoting the yeast to produce that sort of more... Correct, especially when brewed at really low temperature, kind of stressing the yeast, restraining the yeast. At low temperature, it's going to pop out all these real nice... And do you just yeasters. use sake yeast as well? There's a very specific line. Like I know yeah. for us, there's mead yeast, but we very mm. rarely use mead yeast. We played with it. Yeah, bit. like I've done little bits with it and it's just... Yeah. I think to be honest though, with mead yeast, there's not enough of a mead industry to have a proper... Mead. And, what, and what do you what do you take? Yeah. Like, what, what do you what is it? Yeah, sure, what is mead yeast as well? You know, yeah. like anyway, yeah. yeah, yeah. So I mean, for for us, we predominantly use um, sake specific yeast. We actually get our yeast from the Brewing Society of Japan, um, which is a kind of an arm of the Japanese government that kind of caretakers all the yeasts within Japan. Um, so in this, it's a yeast called Nine Zero One. Um, nine is basically the number of the category of yeast. Zero one is a non-foaming, mutated version. So it means we can pretty much fill up a tank without yeah, blowing the right, lid off. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, so this is a kind of a nice aroma style yeast. Um, really good for brewing kind of ginjo style sakes. It's got so, a real- So ginjo was the- non, the sort of- It's the polishing the polishing. Rate. Rate. Yeah, yeah. 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 Um, so this sake was fermented at about six degrees for about primary ferment was about 45 days wow really really, low really, really extended long, period yeah. of time and what we're doing is we're really restraining the yeast um and allowing it time to kind of pop out all these nice aromas this is at 15 percent. this wow. would have been brewed to around 16 so and then it's been cut ever so slightly just ahead of bottling with some filtered water and that's like cutting a whiskey brings out the aroma and the yeah. flavor mm -hmm. so Gives you a real nice balanced product. And then in bottle, this has been pasteurized and this has been matured for about 12 months in bottle. Wow. Yeah. So uh, I know we had this discussion before, but with your bottle conditioning as well, you don't necessarily just do it to take character from uh, from the yeast. Let's say if you, you bottle condition on the lees, there's actually still an enzymatic process that sometimes goes through with your bottle conditioning as well. Hmm. There is, there is with some of it. Um, there's always going to be some enzymatic reactions no matter kind of even out post pasteurization yeah, absolutely you're going to denature majority of your enzymes really pasteurization for us is to kind of slow up kind of try and get kind of a point of stasis where we're going to slow all of that up because we've really reduced it but also to stop the fermentation yeah, for the yeast course, so yeah. we you know this sack has been filtered down to like 0.3 microns there shouldn't be any yeast in there but just in case we're kind of knocking that mm -hmm. off um because we want it to really sit in bottle for a long period of time really round off mature and all those subtle notes to kind of pop out and in terms of when you're finishing it so i mean here we use pasteurization for the mead to cut short the fermentation mm. which is pretty rare but for you guys does it does it is it the flavor you're trying to lock in or has it reached a completion how how far how much further is there to go yeah so i mean because this doesn't taste bone dry to me no it's not no it's that's just, what i want to get to yeah. like we sort of yeah, we've just been drinking medium. it here without sort so, of yeah having a taste of it yeah this is yeah this is we, we kind of call it's a medium. We kind of call this one neutral because it doesn't sit as dry or sweet. Um, it's got a bit of both going on, gone in there. So th this is kind of a an all day kind of drinking sake. Yeah, nice. um, at fifteen percent. Yeah, yeah. we we'll go with a, go with a lot of different foods, um, but also just yeah, nice as just a sipper on its own. Um, but for us, yeah, pasteurization is because we don't want that enzyme, the enzymatic reaction to just keep going on and the bottle to change too much too quickly. Mm -hmm. You're always going to get change over time when you're maturing yep. um, a product. So you're so saying we it really gets want to kind of slow that up and capture when we finish the fermentation, that product that we had. Um, and also to make sure, because we want to keep this as a medium, we don't want this to go bone dry. If it carried on fermenting, so we then end up with like a sparkling bottle, which sure. this one's not supposed right. to be. So the other side is, uh, what I found really cool about sake too, is during that process, it actually gets sweeter over that enzymatic process because they're breaking down some of these yeah. unfermentable sugars Correct. into yeah. more simple in the bottle. And then that yeah. sort of increases the sweetness over time, which I find really Absolutely. interesting. Absolutely. Yeah. So because you've, you've stopped any yeast activity, there's nothing in there to consume any more sugar you can only actually make more sugar because you've got unfermentable sure. that can be broken down. So in theory, 
most matured sakis are getting sweeter. And if you taste the sake that's, you know, two, five, 10, 20 years old, they get kind of like darker, more kind of like raisiny, plummy, um, and typically sweeter, more kind of viscous, um, which we're going to taste one. Yeah, yeah so looking forward to yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah. So, so yes, uh, if you're online, hi, hi to Louisiana. Who have we got on? Jero. Glad you're enjoying our sour. If you've got any other questions to Tom about sake or us about me, whatever, just type them in the comments and we'll aim to get to them. Um, I didn't think there were many other questions. Yeah, I think there was a couple of this before, but let's not talk about that. Yeah, we we got them, we got them. But if if we didn't get them, just pop them up again and uh, and we'll go at it. But this is like the other thing I've had with sake too is sake has a really nice acid profile. This one, the acid profile is quite balanced. It's not like it's balanced out the sweetness. It seems like there's quite a low acidity acid profile in that. It's nice and round, and yeah. This this is really Miru is kind of a much more one of our kind of classical approach sakes. Um, obviously before we tried the can that's a complete like new contemporary category Um, we've then jumped from that straight into a real classic kind of thoroughbred style Um, and then we're going to come on to some kind of more mature and interesting things but I'd say vast majority of the sake we make sits much more in the classic can and then we're kind of doing some interesting modern techniques on top of that that so our foundation as a brewery is kind of very based in the classical it's about getting the, getting the yeah. old things right. Yeah, absolutely. that's it. Yeah, absolutely. especially like, when your process is so uh, yeah, so. Yeah. It? Well. Well. Yeah. Yeah, complicated, is right? Like, like, by brewing standards. Yeah. It's a, it's yeah. A, um, I mean, it's not a dank IPA, is it? <laughs> <laughs> There's, it's. I think as brewing goes, it's definitely right up there with yeah. uh, you know the complexities, the number of steps. Also, as a brewer. The amount of impact you can personally have on the outcome of the product yeah, yeah. is obscene, to be honest with you. Yeah. It's, a, it's, it's like the outcome of your product, obviously you want the best building blocks of raw ingredients to go in there, but really the outcome is 90% down to, to do with the producer. So you can take great ingredients and make a terrible sake. You can take not the best ingredients in the world and make a yeah, yeah. sake. You know? As long as you have those techniques behind you, right? Yeah. That's um, cool. Do you want to open this one? So how did you get into it? Well, what were your start? What's your, what was your first steps into this, Tom? Did, were you a homebrewing homebrewing sake? Or yeah, that, I mean, there was bef- way before that. That's, that that's where I want to talk about. Yeah, right? <laughs> <laughs> steaming rice in the kitchen, I imagine. Yeah, so even way before that, it was kind of a a love of all kinds of alcohol, which I yeah. still have. Um, but yeah, kind of probably consumption, too much consumption of sake um, and a real love for it and traveling to Japan and spending time in Japan, just enjoying sake and then really kind of exploring sake fermentation off the back of my own experience brewing beer. Yeah. So I was kind of like a a homebrew beer nut. That's kind of how I got into fermentation. Um, And you perfected that and then you were like, what can I I do now? Yeah. (laughs) Well, <laughs> yeah. but there was kind of an element of that because it was kind of like, um, not, not necessarily saying I, I perfected it, but sake just became so much more interesting for me. Yeah. Like once you go down this rabbit warren of sake production, it's kind of hard to focus on anything else because there's just the intricacies and the variation that is the world of sake is, is crazy. Um, there's just, there's, so people say, oh, I don't, I don't like sake. Like people say, oh, I don't like vodka. Like sake, sake is so many more things. Yeah, we get yeah, it as well. So well, cool. we we, we yeah. don't like meat. And you're like, well, what what meat have you tried? Like, yeah. have you tried our meat? Yeah. <laughs> so like right here, you know, we've just yeah, yeah. we've just taken. I just, a, I just have a sniff of that. I'm yeah. Like, oh, the color yeah. on this is cool yeah. too. Like it's it's. So, yeah, it's so, so, so we just stra- strawberry pink. Yeah, peach, pretty much. Peachy, yeah. Yeah, peachy. So we, basically, we've got four sakes that we're tasting. All oh yeah, memories flooding back. Different corners of the spectrum. Um, just to kind of show you, uh, yeah, the variation, but also kind of different styles, but also obviously different techniques and how they're made, but also different times of the year, times of the day, food pairing. So this, uh, Hannah, um, is a new release from a couple of months ago. We kind of released it this side of lockdown. Um, this is an interesting product because this is a pure Junmai sake as a base. Um, and then it was a 50-50 ratio of sake to British plums. Whole plums. So the whole fruit with um, the stone and everything steeped within the sake for a few months, kind of locked in tank. And then we took the liquor off and it went into a combination of red and white burgundy oak um, to barrel age. 
then I had extended barrel aging for I think over six months and then blended and then bottled, pasteurized and then matured for the whole year up until July, I think, which is when it was released. Yeah. So it's a really kind of interesting sake. And our, the reason we made it this way, so people might, might have heard of umeshu. So umeshu is like the Japanese plum liqueur. Mm -hmm. yeah, okay. So plum liqueur is like the ume fruit, which is an indigenous plum in Japan. With is that like, the sale plum? Uh, I don't know if it's the same. Because yeah, it's umeboshi. Umeboshi is, that's umeboshi is the pickled pickle. plum. Okay, is that a bit? Yeah, is that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. So that's like a fermented pickled plum. Yeah. But it's the same fruit. Yeah. But if you took like the fresh fruit and basically put it in with a load of sugar, a load of like NGS, you make a liqueur. Like that's what umeshu is. Um, at least what modern umeshu is. We wanted to make kind of a British umeshu, but pure sake as if it was like 250 years ago. And then on top we did some wine barrel aging, which was a bit of fun. Yeah. Was this in, uh, which barrels did you do this in? This was in a combination of both red and white burgundy oak and then blended, yeah. Oh, Tom. Yeah, yeah the nose on this is sick. It's, the other one's quite, quite delicate and you can pick up, you know, a little bit of that sort of sake curry. This is a lot more fruity. Yeah, it's like, it's got this sweetness to it on the tongue, but it's juicy, it's tart. It's got a depth on the nose yeah. as well. You can really mm. get that kind of like oxidative, like barrel yeah. character. Yeah, you're right. The tartness as well isn't like a usual acid tartness yeah. either. It's quite creamy and tart. Mm. That makes sense. Yeah, it's a lot more. It it, it feels thicker than it you is. Get that tanning structure. I think I can almost taste the stone as well. Absolutely, like it's kind of it's present. You get this yeah, yeah. Note yeah, yeah, right at the end yeah. as well. Yeah, yeah. It was like really important for us. Like we use oh, Herefordshire cool. plums. Um, we wanted to basically have it kind of indigenous British plums in there, and it had to, for us it had to be whole fruit. Yeah. So, so how, like, how much uh, how much plums did you put? Did you how, how did you okay? Let's take that back a little bit. How did you use the plums? So we basically washed each individual plum and threw them in the barrel, uh, threw them in the the tank. It was five hundred liters of sake, five hundred kilos of plums. Nice. It was a 50-50 ratio. Yeah. That's what we want to see, right? If, you, if you're gonna yeah. like, I, I we just did a plum mead, and I did the complete opposite, where I just put a little you know little dollop in at the bottom and yeah. cleaned it up. But like. Yeah, that's what, if you want to be yeah. like fruit forward, like that, that was to accentuate a little mm. bit. But if you're going to put, you know, yeah. this, this is it, like you need to be, that needs to punch you in the face. Yeah, with plum. exactly. And for us, and this, is, this is a plum sake. So I wanted those two things to be exactly 50 50. Nice. That's, that's nice. Yeah. That's awesome. This is, yeah, this is why we sat there and I, yeah, um, yeah, I can imagine. And how strong was the ABV on this? 13? 14. Oh, I, I guess. Yeah. yeah. I guess. So they're all up there, aren't they? Yeah. yeah. That's generally where you sort of aim between, right? You do your 5.5 range there, and then generally you're about 13 yeah, above, Yeah, so we do 5.5, right? which is our can range, which we're doing the next flavor of next week. It's being cans. That's going to be out in two weeks' time. Mm. And that's wasabi, so um, Japanese wasabi leaf and British cider apple. Ooh, um, Yeah, it's going to be cool. So that's going to be like the drier one. The yuzu cucumber is kind of a medium. And then we've got another one kind of planned for later in the year. And then we go up to 11.5, which is our naturally um, carbonated sparkling sake. And then everything else is sit somewhere really between 14 and 18. That's kind of, yeah. the majority of what we do is kind of around that area. Mid-rounds, yeah, 15 to 16. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I think barrel aging. Is barrel aging quite common with sake? Um, it would be. Not really, not really. Um, particularly oak so obviously oak is much more of a european into yeah. a north american thing um so not something that's done in japan or, or across asia really at all in japan there is a history of barrel aging um or barrel steeping but also barrel fermentation but that's all japanese cedar mm-hmm um, oh, cool. Sugi, yeah. It's quite sweet cedar as well, isn't it? Yeah, but the thing with the thing with cedar, especially if it's, it's relatively fresh, is it's 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 got you know real like a ton of kind of oil and flavor. Yeah. So you get this thing called taruzaki. So this sake is called taru, which means barrel. Taruzaki is kind of a barrel sake, um, but you only need to like put it in cedar for like three weeks. Yeah, and, yeah. And it's and it's not there to age. It's there to actually Just take on the flavor. Yeah. Um, and I think kind of like you do with bourbon, right? You toast the barrel because you don't. Correct, yeah. You just you just want to pull out as much yeah. of that as quickly as possible. Absolutely. I, typically, if you're doing extended aging of sake, it actually happens in the bottle. So, like the one we're going to move on to next, 
Um, I had extended aging in barrel, but then we put it in these little black beer bottles. Actually, that's the aging vessel. Mm -hmm. So we've been aging um, in the brewery in these little blocks because we wanted it to basically stay safe in this little time capsule. So no kind of light coming in, yeah. nothing like that. And these are actually being re-bottled. So for Taru, we actually got a gold medal in the Saki Sommelier Association. Well done. Saki Challenge, thank you. It's the <laughs> oldest European sake competition. So all the sake is kind of flown in from Japan. They do all the judging um, in Europe. And yeah, we just got a gold with this. Uh, amazing, like man. This time last week. Um, and then we're kind of releasing our gold medal edition. So this is being actually decanted uh, into a clear bottle, a different style, it's like a small polo bottle with a nice wooden top. Yeah, nice. And it's like an exhibition bottle. Now the sake is like actually ready because this has been maturing for a long time. Um, now we're kind of yeah ready to actually properly get it out there. That's cool. So we can show off the color and everything in a nice clear bottle. Cool, should we give it a whirl? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm super excited about it now. We're actually prepared, well, we've yeah? Got a problem now. I say we're prepared. So James prepared us. Yeah. Um, oh. So as it, as it stands right now, it's kind of like a one session carafe. So 330 <laughs> mil. This is a 17.5% sake. So the strongest that we've got here. Um, and yeah, like we said, barrel, barrel aged. Let's get into it. see the color. Oh. This nice kind of toffee ah, color. Yeah, it's almost like, almost like, like port exactly like sherry yeah like. it's in your kind yeah. of it's gonna say sherry but it's a little sherry. darker than yeah oh yeah it's... oh it smells so mommy yeah it's so mommy. oh my god yeah that's amazing what does that remind me of so it's, the first... like, it's got that soy miso yeah. bonito mushroom but also like caramel burnt caramel that's it that's what it, yeah, it kind of remind me when you uh, like i know this is a weird thing but i did a couple of weeks ago i did like uh Corn flowered shiitake mushrooms with um, uh, with like just uh, caramelized honey and stuff like that. And it's kind kind of got that sort of element to it. Absolutely, like when you're yeah, frying yeah. it, and I was like, "What is that?" I was like, oh, yeah. "That's exactly what it is." It's this nice little balance of. You basically just want this over oh, something over else, vanilla ice cream, or with like a blue cheese, something quite sharp. Yeah, yeah. I can see that with a blue cheese. Like, mm. whoa, that's fascinating. Sorry, that's. Because I remember I tried to... Like super viscous, like the yeah, legs on exactly. that. Because I was asking you a little while ago about barrel aging sake yeah. and what happens when you oxidize it mm. and all this. And you gave me this sake from, from Tennessee and you were like, this, this is how to do it wrong. <laughs> and like, I still enjoyed that. Like it was weird and it was, you know, high alcohols mm. were horrible. But I was like, I've still got a cool, yeah. cool aspect to it. But yeah, this is, this is what I was talking about. Like, you know, this, this is what yeah. I would hope would happen when you put that in a barrel. Can you make it more umami? How Because I, I want... Sorry, I'm just tasting that and I'm like, oh, I've got a hint of something, but actually, how, how far can you take it? So we made a sake a couple of years ago, so for poor symposium, so like drinks, bartender like, symposium yeah. that happens kind of across the world. So we were kind of guest speakers for the one in Paris a few years back. And for that, we made a special sake that we called Umami 100. So um, when you're kind of making a typical sake, your ratio of your koji rice to your regular steamed rice, you usually have about 20% koji rice as your engine, 80% of your regular steamed rice as your fuel. Um, we did one that was 100% koji rice, so like five times the typical quantity, but without any of the fuel. So that was there to kind of break itself down. Um, and that's kind of really maxing out. And that was a rice that had big protein structure, yeah. wasn't too far polished, loads of protease on the uh, koji. And then tons of koji, you know, fermented purely. So just just to go back to you didn't really go through it. Like the nose is incredible for one, but then on the palate, it is it, the alcohol isn't I mean, like I, forward, right? No, like no, I, I I would say that though, if you were to ask me, those yeah. two have got the same amount of yeah. alcohol. It's it's like for me, it's just got this like massive like oily mouth feel. It's super smooth, it's super and it clean. It's on giving, you know. Yeah, very. It's, clean. it's, really it's cool. it, there's nothing in there that makes you go like, oh, there's it's no spikiness. Just, the flavor yeah. is very. Yeah. It's one of those things you want to carry on drinking just yeah. to understand it. Absolutely. So for me, it's that's what I say, fascinating. Just kind of you want to unpick the flavors. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, it's, man, the it's, nose though. The nose there's, there's is just so cool. There's a lot going so on. Cool. There's a lot going on. And I think you've got you've got a lot of kind of food pairing potential, but you just you know 
winter months are rolling in, you just want to just sit there. Oh man, it it, it smells like a good film on or something, and just yeah. it's got it's, the smell's got the feeling of like you've just finished cooking and you're just about to sit yeah. down to eat. It's just got like everything that when you're cooking a meal throughout the house and you sit down and your house smells incredible. It's kind of got that feel to it, you know. It's got it's got this nice little bit of yeah. umami. It's got this sweetness to it. This mm. caramelization there. Yeah, that's that's. It's also like there's some undertones to that, and like I'm, I don't want to. It kind of reminds me of um, like 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 blue cheese. It's just yeah, got yeah. this like yeah, it's that hint. That's what I was asking about mm. more umami flavor. Because I always get it too. I always like cheese is such an off flavor. You don't want to say about somebody's no. drink, you know? It's, like it's but not the cheese. It's bit. not it's yeah. The it's umami, not the che- correct? It's, the umami yeah. it's like it's like the parmesan rind yeah. kind of smell. So. And that's that's kind of quite a big flavor or aroma that comes through with a lot of more savory style sakes. So for sake, it's definitely not an off flavor. As long as it doesn't smell like cheesy feet. Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 yeah Which we all try to avoid, right? Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Some better than others. But yeah, this for us is, you know, this is the sake that kind of keeps on giving. And, you know, this could just be parts away. You know, all the damage is done. You know, that's the whole point. So buy a sake, enjoy it. But you could part this one away for. I could just smell this all day. Yeah. Right. And, and the cool thing is, because it's already, obviously, as you can see, the color, like it's now oxidized to hell. Yeah. It doesn't matter if you open the bottle and it stays open and goes in the fridge and it's still not open, you know, still open. Same, same with the, with the plum. Like they've already had this kind of oxidization. The other sack, especially like, like the can, you just want to drink that fresh. The the ginjo, I'd say drink that within like ten days, but just stick it in the fridge after you've opened it. We get the same thing with that barrel fermented bouche. Yeah, exactly. Like as soon as that's open, like we say with everybody, you know, if it's carbonated, you probably want to drink it in a, in, yeah. you know, in, a in a sitting, right? Like mm. it's it's gonna it's, it's not that it's gonna go wrong. It's gonna change the flavor profile yeah. as soon as that carbonation's gone, right? That, that, that's why the carbonation's there yeah. because it needs to be or or it should be. But there's like you know cool stuff you can do with this. You know you can make like. Get get some nice Japanese whiskey and do like a Japanese style Manhattan with this oh, and the whiskey. Yeah. Get some like hibiki and on the go, you know. Like yeah. there's, you, there's a coffee grain, I think. Yeah, like so, there's, there's there's a lot, there's a lot, that's why I've been smashing recently. Because a nicker coffee yeah. grain, like yeah. in a in a Manhattan or in a um uh like a I, I did a, yeah. Go on. Yeah. I did a bourbon lift with it. A bourbon, uh, bourbon lift. Bourbon is like lift. it's like cream and milk oh, right. with soda water. Oh right. And it's just like there, there's something to this, right? Like, <laughs> like it's a cocktail like a for a reason, thing, yeah. Yeah. and it, it's just yeah. it's re- it's like light but creamy, and like it's kind of I can see this with uh, with uh, a bit of nigger yeah. coffee grain and a bourbon lift, yeah. just to give it that like that deep. Like you could use this with any cocktail, just to give it like a depth Absolutely. of complexity. Yeah, exactly. Like that's really cool. And that that was kind of the point of that umami 100 that we did. That was like a super limited. I think we only did like 100. Less than a hundred bottles or something, but that that the point was, you know, we made that for the bartender symposium, and that was made actually as a cocktail ingredient. Yeah. That was the point of that. So, if you wanted to impart umami into a cocktail, you would use a small portion yeah, of that. Of course, that, makes sense. that wasn't really made to kind of sit there and sip. However, we did save back about. 25, 30 bottles that now have been aging for like three years. So that's pretty cool. We we will bring that out again at some point. This yeah. is, uh, yeah, that's pretty cool. That's, that's, should we open our collab? Yeah, we should get well, into Whilst it. we were, talking, these have all been served, I would say, about 10, 12 degrees. Like, just, mm. like, is that, what would you serve them at? And like, what do you yeah. serve different sakis at? Yeah, so across all of our range, like on our website, on the back of the bottles, we do temperature serves. And most yeah. of our sakis have two temperature serves because sake is awesome to have warm as well on the whole, particularly the, the pure kind of thoroughbred stuff. Um, but I would say, if you're if you've got a good sake in your hands, it should taste awesome at room temperature. So it's not something um, you should worry too much about. I would kind of fear actually serving sake too cold. What? Because you just don't get the aromas coming out. Yeah, you're gonna. Well, you, you're yeah, you're gonna suppress flavor and aroma. I'm kind of wary of any drink that's to me too cold. To be honest with you. Yeah, um, unless it's one of those little. Lagers from Tesco. Which, that's okay. You know, that's, that's for a reason. <laughs> but then, yeah, that's, that's just to put on your head first of all. Yeah. Oh. What's happening? Um, so I've kind of done that. Need another one. You're right. Survive. Um, yeah. So most of these across the range would say recommend kind of wine fridge temperature, like serve at ten degrees. Uh, then we've got kind of, I think this one we're kind of looking at a bit more kind of room temperature, yeah. have it a bit warmer. Um, and then the Ginjo, I think we've got on there maybe 40 or 45 degrees. Of course, most of our range of the pure Jumai sakes, we've got to serve 
sitting between 40 and 50 degrees, but quite specific to the sake. Yeah. Um, and you just heat that up at home in like a bain-marie kind of style. Don't microwave it. Don't heat the sake directly in a pan on the hob. Just kind of boil some water, put it in a saucepan or something in the boiling not, water. You're not just putting the whole bottle in the microwave no, 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 and just well, being done yeah. with it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, the problem with the microwave is you just go too hot, yeah, right? No, you're burning no, the no. alcohol off. So yeah, we, we're, not, we're not serving like piping hot sake. You're just kind of like in like elevated bath temperature, like yeah. 45, 50, um, really at a max for sake looking at about 60 degrees, which is, that's quite hot. Um, but yeah, best way just, yeah, kettle boiled into like a saucepan or another vessel, and then just either get like a jug, put decant some of the sake into the jug and put that into the boiling water to heat up naturally. Or if you've got like a small bottle or something, or you've drank most of this cold and then you want to have a bit warm, just put the bottle in there. Like yeah. these are all hefty bottles, they can take it. But ideally have a thermometer or a little probe and gauge the temperature, because yeah, yeah, yeah. it will heat up quite quick. Take it off, just pour it and drink it, enjoy it. Yeah. All right. Just to finish off, Will, do you want to talk to us about how we did this collab? Just so re recap us. Yeah. So this collab we did uh, a 50-50 split of fermentable. Um, uh, actually, no, it wasn't a 50-50 split of fermentables, realistically. Uh, we did a <laughs> separate uh, fermentation on both. Um, and then we did a secondary fermentation in a white wine, the Grappen barrel. Yep. Um, so blending the two, the blending the two together. Yeah, so they both have like primary, yeah. separate, and then they're brought together and co-fermented, but within the oak. Yeah. So the yeah. honey we use was it? Uh, no, so we, we used a hackney honey. So we use a yeah, we we, we yeah, we, we got yeah. a local honey in um, just to get the idea because we both sort of started here in, in Print Village as well as two yeah. two companies. Oh, yeah. So we used to be just literally opposite these guys. Yeah. So, yeah. so it was kind of that idea of like, okay, let's let's stick in in, in London as much as we can. Mm. Um, so we did it with our house yeast, uh, Hackney honey. We left the gravity quite high, so we have mm. most of the secondary fermentation came from uh, our residual sugar. Did, yeah. Um, uh, and then you guys come in with a just a, a quite a classic sake on your side. Yeah, we kind of went with Californian in with about rice. A, I think. Yeah, we did uh, Calrose Californian sake rice, seventy percent polished, and we put that in at about sixteen and a half percent, and then that was with one of our classic sake yeasts. So you kind of, at the point of blending into barrel, you had like excess fermentables. We had then the killer yeast that just kind of combined and took over. And then that fermented out in barrel to what we've got now. Yeah. Cool. What do we think, guys? I love it. Yeah, the, the, <laughs> this, yeah, thing, yeah, this thing was like, when you, when you have an idea, especially when you're doing collabs, when you've got an idea of what you want and then you go and do it and it comes out, it never comes out exactly how, like, how, expect, how, you, how you wanted it, right? Because that... We had kind of a, a, an end goal dream, and then we had our expectations. I think this surpassed the end goal dream. Yeah, which was the craziest <laughs> thing. Like, That's it's good. so much better yeah. than we ever could have expected. Like, yeah. all we were worried about was, you know, our side. We, we need the honey character to stay yeah. in there. We always talk about that. Like, whenever we do a collab, it needs to be there. It's the integral part of our flavor profile. Um, you know, we wanted it to be, you know, the carbonation to be on point. Mm. You know, we wanted it to to be nice and, and round and not just be, you know, a split between the two styles yeah. as well. And, and, you know, have the sweetness come forward yeah. and then the sake finish I mean, it up. So for me, it, it is that perfect marriage it between is, the yeah. two products. And it's amazing. So we've obviously done other collabs where you just lose that honey characteristic. Mm. It's so easy to do. This is amazing in the way that it's preserved. And I think, I think that comes down to uh, the fact that we did that those two separate primaries and then we, we gave it time as well. Yeah. Like, I think we... we uh, we did the uh, the bottle conditioning, the carbonation here, and it was a good two and a half months after that where I finally was like, "Oh, cool, it's ready." You know, like yeah. it, it 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 took some time, and it was a little bit worrying during that process, especially with the carbonation as well. It's quite slow, so it's you've carbonating already... at like fourteen percent, right? So yeah. yeah, slow, but took the time, took a few months. But I guess yeah, that plus the fermentation plus the barrel. I mean, I think we started brewing the sake that went into that like October last year. So we're kind of, I think we're already past the start date when we yeah, actually yeah. started the sack. Yeah, so yeah. It's kind of quite interesting. That's cool. Yeah, yeah. that's cool. Yeah, for us, it was, uh, like our, our fermentations are quite quick. So just being able to hold that back and, <laughs> yeah. and and get that to you before it just chewed through all that sugar as well, yeah, which is awesome. kind of cool. So then you also cannibalized our yeast in there mm. as well, which yeah, is... Yeah, that's fair. So there, there's quite a lot of complexity yeah. there. What was quite cool as well, like you guys obviously brewed the mead here. It went into barrel here. The barrel then travelled to us yeah, with the yeah. mead in it. 
and then we put the sake into that. So the barrel like spent time in both places. Yeah, yeah. So it was kind of like started here, ended up at ours, packaged at ours, came back here uh, in bottle carbonation back here. So it was like, yeah, it's like a true, it, it, it was a, a true closure, closure, right? Yeah, yeah, it we, was. We, we joke about this all the time. Like <laughs> the, 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 uh, the email, the, the email collabs that happen now, you mm. know, like that. We've all done them. Yeah. The, for me, the reason of doing a collab is to go somewhere that I find really interesting or yeah. in a process yeah, I find yeah, interesting yeah. and go like, cool, I yeah. want to put what I know into this and, and, mm. and see what else I can do. It was a real out. nice like 50-50 and getting the two teams together and everything. Yeah, it was yeah, super it was cool. A, it was fun. And it was the thing, it was like 50-50 in and it's 50-50 out. That's yeah. the beauty with it. You've got so much mead, so much sake, beautiful nose on it. And you've yeah, got this nice meaty finish as well. Yeah. The sweetness level too is something that really really happy with because it's it's quite hard number one to to hit that and get the right sweetness level to make sure everything comes through and it's not too sweet too honey forward yeah but it's the carbonation help balance it out the the sake nose as well mm. just kind of helps that that umami character as well it just kind of helps separate yeah. from the sweetness as well so it just takes everything into the back and allows everything its own little yeah. place yeah. it's got great acid structure is yeah it's like super moorish yeah yeah it's good Guys, if you've got any questions, do give us a shout. We'll be around for a couple more minutes before we realize that actually Instagram Live, you can only do an hour at a time. You can. I think that's kind of long enough. It probably is long people enough. People don't want to listen to us for more than that. Oh, you right? say that. <laughs> people have asked me, well, can you do a four-hour one? Just That's just you personally. Just, like, yeah, yeah. just for sleep. Home. Just for sleep. Yeah, yeah. yeah. AMSR. So I'm talking about mead. Yeah. Just, and then I, no. <laughs> um, keep those in the back pocket. Yeah, keep those in the back pocket. <laughs> this is what I mean. It gets a bit loose at the end of the hour. Yeah. So we just have to, you know, um, Well, Tom, thanks a lot for coming in. Thanks it's for having really me. Nice. Yeah, no, it's really been awesome. Yeah, it's been awesome. Yeah, this has been great. Like, I've really taken through your, your stuff before and, and every time that I do, I'm always, you know, always surprised. Appreciate you know, it. Like, really Thank good. you. It's, yeah. It's awesome. You do incredible stuff. Yeah, you guys too. An absolute pleasure. Like, thanks for having no, me. No, no, thanks very much. When, for are, we, when are we doing our next collab? Yeah, you've got to yeah. kick it off. Yeah, yeah. It, it yeah. takes twelve months. Yeah. So you've got to start <laughs> it's, now. It's right? got to be in cans, right? Yeah, hundred yeah, percent. Next, next week, let's kick one off. Yeah. But uh, yeah, thanks guys. Thanks for yeah joining us again, and yeah, see you all next week. See you later, Appreciate guys. It. Take care. Thanks for listening, guys. Hopefully, you enjoyed that. So hit the subscribe and like button, and follow us on all our social media, and we'll see you again next week. If you've got any questions or thoughts or just want to chat about mead and honey, then drop us an email to podcast at gosons.co.uk. Or better still, jump on our Instagram live replies. Ask us uh, any questions that you have and watch us scramble to try to find the answer and uh, look like we know what we're talking about. Or if you want to see what I look like, you can head on to the website at www.gosnals.co.uk.